0: Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, in our last podcast, we discussed essentially what you felt the biggest problems were with society. And we spend a lot of that cast talking about the marriage issue and, you know, some ways to remedy it when to get married, um, how to become virtuous. And one of the underlying themes was maturity, that was causing the problems. And one of the specific problems you gave during that cast that we didn't get to spend much time upon was porn and sex addictions. And you've brought that up, and it's obviously been some time since we recorded last, and just some thoughts came to me about that, and pretty much figured it's not something that's ever really talked about, so it's probably something good to talk about. You mentioned that they make more money than all of the mm. sports leagues. So obviously it's a common thing. <laughs> um, so therefore, I wanted to to kind of bring it out because I kind of get the feeling, at least from society, that it's just me. You know, it's just you as an individual. There's no one else really involved in it. So therefore, there's not like I want, ran out there and just tackled some old lady crossing the street or something. I didn't physically hurt anyone else. I didn't, you know, I did it by myself. Um, So I think that that's one of the things that people say. So how can it really be that bad if I'm not hurting anyone? So I figured we'd start with that point and kind of go through, go through and see how it goes from there.
1: Yeah, so there are two different issues going on there. One is pornography, and then uh, the other is uh, fornication, masturbation, so different uh, immoral sexual expressions. Um, And in terms of pornography, I don't have any – Stories uploaded into my head uh, coming into this podcast, but it, you can find lots of stories of the experience of of women who are doing porn shoots, who are who are really just treated horrifically, and the, the kind of stupid thought of oh well they don't have to do it. You know they're they're free. They're making a choice. They've obviously decided to do this or whatever. Who who just does that? You know they're desperate enough for the money that they're putting themselves into this situation. They have little enough self respect. Why do they have so little self respect? Well, because they were beaten by their father, because they were they grew up on the street, because they. Uh, you know, maybe in the best case, made some bad decisions and slept around in high school and then started to hate themselves for it. I mean, you find, you find me a healthy woman with a healthy self-respect who's exploiting herself or letting herself be exploited in pornography, and uh, I'll, I'll start to change my tune, but you're not going to find anybody like that. And so when you start to look at who are the who are the women who are producing this and, and what are the situations that they're doing that in and what's it what's the effect on them in, in being exploited in that way? You know, and the I mean women that are doing these porn shoots that are being penetrated by thirty guys in the course you know, we normally we call that gang rape, mm-hmm. but when you call it art and cinema, then somehow it's okay, you know. I mean just just really sick stuff that it's important for us to face when we're sort of sober and paying attention. Because when the the chemistry of addiction, uh, the chemistry of, of sexual arousal starts to set in, our minds don't really work very well. And so that's where I want to say on the other end, I'm not there are many people, and maybe even the majority, who recognize that porn is something really disgusting and is, is really a plague that's harming a lot, everybody who's involved in it, whether it's the, the movie producers or the, the image producers or the ones who are being... Nobody is thriving because of creating pornography. I mean... This is destructive to the human person at every level. Mm-hmm. Now, most people who are using pornography, I would say, if they faced it, would recognize that. And they think it's sick and nobody wants to, you know, sort of support this. But I think there are some people that are kind of blind to that and that don't really look at it closely. And so that's why I want to emphasize how horrific it is. And if you there, – there are so many accounts now the one that I always send people to, there's a website called The King's Men. It's a, a group, a male spirituality group, uh, and I think their website is thekingsmenoneword.us. and they have, uh, I know they have stories of former porn, you know, uh, women involved in, in pornography, and uh, just telling the story. If you want some graphic detail, if you want to face yourself with what you're promoting, by using pornography. Sometimes that does help to kind of cut through the self-indulgence and self-justification. I just say that one side, let's if, if we're not clear that this is a severe evil, well, let's, let's face that and recognize mm-hmm. that. Okay. So now let's presume that everybody at this point is recognizing this is a, a, a serious evil that we don't want to be involved in promoting in, and supporting by our own usage. Okay. Now I think most people are pretty well on that page, but just to collect a few of the stragglers. Uh, now to look at the issue of pornography addiction, it's a serious problem uh, because our our sexual drive is so strong. There was an experiment that was done with with rats that they were given a choice between pressing one button which would stimulate uh, orgasm and another button, which would produce food. Food would be dropped into the cage and most rats would starve themselves to death Mm. because the drive for orgasm is so strong. So we have Mm. serious chemistry that reinforces the cycle of addiction. That's just the chemical level. Tie that together with the fact that, uh, when there is a a real, you know, the reasons that that people will sort of move to pornography, whether it's to to medicate pain, often that started at at a young age as a a coping mechanism, Uh, so where there's stress and where there's uh, some internal conflict, pain, anger, where there's, you know, whatever, a lot of different sort of forms of self-medication, a lot of psychological response. Um, it also ties in with relationships, and so it becomes triggered by experiences of rejection or experiences of broken communion with a person where a relationship is struggling because our sexuality is, <clears throat> is so all through our experience that we can see that in the fact <clears throat> that every cell in our body is male for you and me, Joe, mm-hmm. or female for some of our other listeners. Every cell in our body, there's no part of us that is not sexual. Mm-hmm. All of that has to do with sexuality. Now, the genital expression of sexuality is, is where we obviously start to get into some problems, but that's ultimately a consequence and expression of other dimensions of relationship and the call to self-gift and really living out of the fullness of our the healthy expression of our sexuality as male or female in relationship with others. So uh, <clears throat> sexual addiction as one thing and then pornography on top of that have such a, uh, a powerful effect on us. <clears throat> now, what used to be difficult to get to because you had to buy magazines, you had to expose this to people, you had to go to some porn shop, you had to, you know, now is so accessible on the Internet, not only so accessible, it's finding you. You don't even have to look to find it. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. so many ads and whatever else that are soft porn at at best or hardcore porn at worst. Uh, And then it leads you through successive layers of, of deeper addiction because, You need to have more stimulation, raunchier stuff in order to get the same effect out of it. And then it leads you into the areas that you're paying for it, that it starts to get into more violence or children or, you know, this kind of raunchier levels of, uh, of, of sexual deviancy. So the, the whole porn industry is just so driven by, by an evil logic in order to ensnare and, Again, there are a lot of people that are very accessible to this. The average age of exposure to pornography is age eight. Mm -hmm. So the average age, which means that there are people younger than that as well as people older than that at the first exposure. And presuming some people don't ever get exposed, there's got to be something to counterbalance that. So just the the huge number of people that are exposed at such an early age, when in most cases they don't have the tools to even process that, Parents are ill-equipped in some cases, in many cases, because of their own struggles. They just, you know, bad, bad, stop that, terrible, you know, and then the child feels like they can't actually talk out what's drawing them to it or what it means or what, you know, so that healthy discussion and formation that could happen in families doesn't happen and a lot of – so it is just uh, a horrendous area that is going to take, I think, a long time to really unravel all the consequences of such highly available pornography and such widespread use of it uh, in our society.
0: Yeah. On that note, just as some people might be shocked by that age thing, if you just think about it, it's essentially anywhere the internet can be. So anyone who's given a phone to their kids, your phone can connect to the internet in all probability. If you have the vast majority of those gaming units that you see kids running around with, the Nintendo one and the PlayStation one for sure, because I know it firsthand, can connect to the internet. And when I say connect to the internet, it's all of the internet. You know, regardless of of what you want. So, you know, just as a thing the parents out there, some of them some browsers, some some of these devices have ways of doing parental controls, which is possible, um, but just a, a thing out there. And then not to mention your TV. Your TV is connected to the internet as well. So just as a thought of how could it be Absolutely. possible for for kids that young to do it, well, that's that's how it is. So the other thing that I wanted to, to bring up there is this notion that of addiction that as a human species, you need to have sex to be able to perpetuate the species. But everything else we talk about in addiction is not needed. You know, you don't need to drink to live and produce more. You don't need to, you know, do any drugs. But you do need to have sex, and and that's part of why your body is built in to have the sex drive. So there is definitely a element out there that just discounts the entire notion that anything involving sex could be an addiction because biology requires it. So I get, so my question is about that is that how does that work from, from a chemical level or does it just make it inherently have to be stronger because your body already needs to do it?
1: Yeah. I mean, so when we're talking about addiction, addiction, uh, as, as a technical word, it, we can really get addicted to a, a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's workaholism or codependency, or um, so, and and certainly not everybody that uses pornography, and even people who use pornography regularly, whatever, who who have. In some cases, even uh, daily or, or multiple times a week, that they're falling into it are not necessarily addicted, per se. Uh, again, to use the the technical expression, because addictive addiction is is really trying to fill a deeper, you know, the simple description that you're trying to fill an infinite hole with a finite thing. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to do it. Uh, and and there's a a, a deeper Thing that's going on there but even for people who aren't sort of addicted in the more extreme sense of that word the real regular use i mean there's so many people who would like to never use pornography again and who have been using pornography on a regular basis weekly a couple times a week um, maybe a little bit less monthly for years for decades uh, and I, I hear confessions of of much older people, 60, 70 years old, who are still falling and feel just very embarrassed about that. But, uh, <clears throat> so it has, a, it has a powerful attraction. And then when we form patterns, and that's what we're talking about for most people's pornography uses, not so much addiction as, a, um, again, in the technical sense of that, as a, as a pattern, as a habit that has formed, and then there are certain triggers that push someone into that thought pattern, and then that unfolds with, you know, whether it's late at night, or whether it's home alone, or whether it's after uh, a lot of work, whether it's a pattern of, of self-reward, There's a, there are a lot of different triggers that, that stimulate a habit or a, a pattern in people uh, that leads to masturbation or pornography and masturbation, and so uh, but the but the chemistry, as I was saying, is very strong, and presumably for the reasons that you're identifying, I mean it's part of the the perpetuation of the species as much as God's design also works together with a sort of evolutionarily sound model of you know that they're there are certain instincts which are, are part of survival and things like that. Uh, that's all very true. You know, as, as somebody committed to celibacy, I can tell you that it's not necessary to have orgasm, and it's not necessary to view pornography. So these are not things that are instincts or drives that cannot be overcome. The virtue of chastity is a real thing, and it can be developed, and people can have sexual freedom. Now, again, depending on how damaged people are, how deeply ingrained the pattern is, you know, maybe it's gonna be a matter of reducing more than totally eliminating. Um, but in any event, we should not give in to a defeatist mentality that we're just doomed to uh masturbation or pornography when the wife is not available or you know, for people who are single or celibate. Uh, that's just a lie, and and that's a real, uh, yeah, real, reductionist view of the human person. So so we need to have a clear sense of the ideal and the freedom, and we need to have a, a be disturbed that we would ever admit a kind of bondage. I mean, I think there is nothing more selfish than masturbation. <laughs> it's just so profoundly selfish. There's there's no gift for anybody else in that. It's just entirely self-focused, and I don't say that to condemn people that are struggling, but Mm -hmm. in case we've allowed a mentality that says, oh, it's not that bad, it's just, you know, releasing stress, or it's just, uh, uh, you know, self-pleasure, yeah, it's just completely selfish, and sometimes I like to say, do you you think Jesus masturbated, you know? (laughs) And hopefully that draws forth an image that's so disturbing that we think, oh gosh, no. And uh, insofar as we are really called to be like him and he wants to give us the grace to do that, then we need to have a higher view of what we're, what we're called to and the the real majesty of the human person.
0: Okay. Well, let's, let's turn down that road. And, and you mentioned before that, you know, you can learn how to be chase and, how to develop those skills? So, why don't we, you know, pursue that angle here and and, and try to turn how to to correct some situations.
1: Uh, well, a there are there are a lot of different factors that go into it. <clears throat> As I said, there's a there's a simply chemical factor. There's a a sort of habitual dimension that uh, it's certain you know what. Uh, when people are in certain situations that it kind of triggers the thought. There's a, a psychological dimension that uh, when certain bad things happen that can push people toward that uh, turning in on themselves, that can be rooted in uh, various issues. There's a, There are relational dimensions that When people are being cut off from relationships, when there's isolation, that has an impact. Um, So to peel apart some of those things, in terms of pornography, I will often encourage people to put some blocks on their computer. Uh, Just inserting some decision point that you run up against a wall can sometimes help a person to be shaken to their senses and, and cut off the, uh, the, the train that's starting to, to move out of the station. So putting some blocks on the computer is a starting point. But then uh, – and, and one of the systems is called Covenant Eyes, and they will, they will block the Internet site, but they also have a way of notifying you have some accountability partners. And so you know somebody else is going to be notified. And that develops a relationship because the, the isolation is, is a major cause of, of some of the uh, sexual problems. So fostering that relationship that somebody is notified that you are starting to look at pornography and then they reach out to you and then you have a conversation about it, that helps to bring it into the light, uh, which is really important, like mold and a lot of other nasty things. Uh, pornography and and sexual struggles tend to really thrive in the darkness and the shame becomes very intense and then we cover up the shame by hiding it and then the shame itself the the buried shame brings forth more pornography problems <laughs> to try and medicate the pain that's there which of course doesn't work um, so bringing it out into the light is very helpful having accountability not just with covenant eyes when there's a mistake but Getting involved in uh, a men's group, for example, or knowing, you know, if you have some, some good guy friends that you can connect with and, and say, hey, I'm struggling with this problem and I need to be able to talk about it. And talking to your wife is often not a good idea. A lot of women are extremely sensitive to this and consider it an act of infidelity, which it is in a certain sense, although it's tied in with much different things than adultery is. But a woman often also feels like, am I not enough? Am I not satisfying my husband? Am I doing something wrong? And will turn into a lot of self-blame. And then she's also a little bit disgusted. Now, pornography is becoming a larger and larger problem among women as well. Uh, And so I don't want to make it sound like no woman ever struggles with this because that creates another shame that causes women to isolate, which I don't want to do. But uh, in any event, having somebody to be accountable to and to talk with about it uh... it may be worth getting some spiritual direction or or some psychological counseling to look at some of the roots of it sometimes that initial experience that started to form the pattern at age eight or nine was connected with things like well that's what my big brother did and i had the idea that that had to do with masculinity you know or there was uh, a someone whose father came to him at age 13 and dropped a, a pile of Playboys and said, now it's time to learn to be a man. You know, that's a, he cursed his son in doing that. He defined masculinity this way. He distorted the image of fatherhood by being the one to provide this. And he initiated him in this terrible pattern, but that's going to have a, a deep impact and have deep roots because of all of those things, the fatherhood, the masculinity part, and then the years of, of habitual behavior that was reinforcing all of that. And then when he comes you know, to me at age 25, he's been doing this for half of his life, and it was rooted in that experience. But sometimes getting into some of those initial experiences, some of the initial shaming around it, some of the ways it was hidden in the darkness, Some of the more perverted elements, a lot of times, you know, in in darker moments, what starts as uh, soft porn in a few dark moments turns into more hardcore porn or more perverted behaviors, and then that deepens the shame and buries it even more. People start to question because they started to wander in the area of same-sex pornography. Am I I gay now? And now I have to, to cover up my sexual identity, and no, you're not gay, you're just flooded with chemistry and making bad decisions in an effort to have a a bigger orgasm, you know, it's like, anyway, so, so just a lot of things to peel apart and having some people to work that through with is, is a really big help. Uh, A 12 step program, SA, uh, sex, sex, sexaholics anonymous, uh, or SLA sex and love addicts anonymous, um, those 12-step groups will help people meet others who struggle in similar ways and then I think a lot of the wisdom in 12-step programs to be aware of your triggers, the kind of self-awareness of what's happening inside of you, this, the self thoughts the self-hatred this, you know a lot of that stuff there's tremendous wisdom there. I really encourage 12-step programs for people. It's a little bit embarrassing to get started with sometimes but then so quickly the communion that's found there like wow people really get me and they really struggle in the same way and they're really willing to help me having an accountability partner from a 12-step program who's available 24-7 you're struggling at 3 a.m. you call your accountability partner and he's going to be ready to walk with you and and help you to avoid the sin so um, those are those are a few starting points Uh, again there's a there's also a book uh, there's a, a website uh a ministry called integrity restored integrity restored and i i think that's the website integrity dot or org and uh dr peter Kleponis is probably the foremost expert he's a psychologist and is a very devout catholic and in the catholic world i think he's probably the the leader of of all of this uh of treatment and he has a a book out called Integrity Restored, and he sees kind of a a seven-pronged approach to handling. There isn't just sort of like, if I could just put blocks on my computer, everything will be solved. Or, you know, if I just get an accountability partner, everything will be solved. There's just so many different interlinking dimensions of this that it, uh, it really becomes, and this is the positive side, if I can switch over to that. When we start to move down this path, it becomes a whole integrated process of healing and growing. Not only does the virtue of chastity develop, but all of the other virtues develop too in fortitude and temperance and uh, being able to persevere, being able to make good decisions in uh, a lot of communication. Anyway, tremendous things can, uh, can grow out of this. Oh, and I, Gosh, how did I leave out? I mean, the importance of prayer through all of this should be fairly obvious, too, that yeah. we need to make sure that our prayer life and our relationship with God is in a good place to be able to overcome that. That's going to involve sacramental confession, regular personal prayer. And, and when we really take seriously the battle to overcome a struggle with uh, sexual sin, it's really a pathway to holiness. It is a uh, you know a marine basic training obstacle course that can really develop a person into a saint if you take it on as a as a, a real focused battle. So that's the positive side. It's not just a, man, a matter of managing a problem but it's really a, a positive path to a real growth in holiness.
0: Well, it's good that we ended, you know, on a positive note there, you know. So, so uh, this obviously being a a very common issue out there, and giving a positive direction in which to go there. We went a little long on today's podcast than most of them, but nonetheless, we, we thank you guys all for listening. We hope that you guys will follow us on Twitter at Father and Joe. And please retweet our cast and please continue to give us the reviews you have on whichever site you're subscribing for it. It really, really does help grow our cast, coming up higher in searches and for really just clicking a couple stars and writing a word or two. It makes a big difference for, uh, for us to be able to get to more and more people. So we thank you guys very much for that. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week.